Hey listeners, Lex on the Decks here. Before you get stuck into this episode of Hot Girls, I wanted to let you know about something else you may be interested in. Though Hot Girls in its podcast format isn't releasing new episodes any longer, if you head over to my Substack, which is lexonthedecks.substack.com, you'll find more interviews and insight on gender minority artists and how to overcome any barriers to entry. You'll also get the opportunity to sign up to my weekly newsletter, Five Good Things. This is an email letter which will land in your inbox on Fridays, sharing five of my favourite cultural or creative discoveries of the week. You'll find all that on lexonthedex.substack.com. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Hot Girls. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know what? It's so bizarre. I had this conversation with my best friend and now it's kind of like, because you kind of, I'm not used to hearing myself on the radio, but I've been played on the radio enough times to the fact that it's, it's not a thing anymore. And it should be. Sometimes I have to check myself and be like, I remember the first time I heard myself on the radio. I was at my mum and dad's house. Um, I had everybody all together. We was all excited, you know, all going ready to listen to it. Like my family was screaming, we was filming it. And now it's kind of like, I'll just, it's just kind of like, oh, you know, I had something on Radio 1 last night, which is cool, but it's just kind of, and I just check myself and go, no, you wanted that. You worked hard for that. And it's okay to feel like, to sit and reflect and think, yeah, actually, I'm proud. Hello, guys, and welcome to Hot Girls with me, Lex on the Decks. This week, I'm joined by the very wonderful Olivia Louise. Olivia is an artist. She's a singer-songwriter, but she's also an active feminist. And more than that, she really stands for equal rights for all people and wants her voice and platform to move the world forward. Um, I really like the way that she's open about who she is as a person, the things that she struggles with, the things that she wants to, the spaces she wants to be more active in. And I think you'll really enjoy this conversation because we really explore some of the challenges that you go through as a creative and also just as a human being trying to make it through in this world. Um, So yeah, I really hope you enjoy. And if you do, uh, please share or subscribe. That really helps us. And yeah, let's get into Ladies, it. Ladies, listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls with Lex on the deck. We in the mix. It's fire. Keep it going. We on fire. From London for the world. Let's go in. It's a really funny one, actually, kind of speaking honestly about this for me because I was I was quite an anxious child. There was a lot of things happening in my life as a child that I didn't really know how to make sense of. 
So I suppose music came in for me as escapism. So when I would write a song at, you know, at 10 years old, I could be anyone in that song. I could be, you know, I used to write songs. I had, my first song that I wrote was actually called Disco Diva. And like, and I was like 10 when I wrote it. So I, it was escapism for me. It was like this world that I could be in that was, yeah, I suppose that's where I started writing music. Yeah. Disco Diva. Like, did you love going to discos when you were? Not, not at all. I just feel, I just created the person that I feel like I wanted to be through music. So, yeah. Yeah. And then if you started really young, did you, were you, and were you visualizing yourself kind of on stage singing these songs? Did you watch Top of the Pops and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. But I was also afraid of that because like, like I said, I was quite shy. So I had this like dream of wanting to write all these songs, but I was scared of how that would self-actualize in reality. Mm. So I did used to pitch that a lot. But it wasn't until I didn't act. I mean, I wrote songs for years and years and years, but I didn't actually get into the studio until I had until after I'd had my daughter, which was like early twenties. So I didn't do anything with it because I was so scared until a lot later in life. Yeah, I suppose when you're younger, it's freeing because you're, it doesn't really mean anything. So it's just a creative yeah. output. And then as you get older, people will ask you questions like, "Is this your career? What does this mean to you? Like, what, what do you want?" And then that can become quite intimidating. Yeah. Do you think having your daughter changed your outlook on things or, or was part of your journey to getting there? Yeah, she was the catalyst that instilled confidence in me. It was kind of like, right, I've created a human being. So what is to say I can't go into a studio and create a song and bring this to life? And, you know, so she, she definitely gave me that spin of, actually, I'm capable of more than I thought I was. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. So with your songwriting process now, or maybe then, let's start kind of then when you were first like, actually you want to record something and get it down. Mm-hmm. How was that process for you? Like, did you plan to record something and then start writing? Or did you have a load of stuff that you were written down and you thought, I need to do something with this? I've always been very freestyling with the way that I do my music. So um, I would make, I'd be washing the dishes and I'd make a song up there and then washing the dishes. But when I first got into the studio, I used to sing for a, a collective of MCs. I'm going to shout out to Faceless because if it wasn't for him, I would never have kind of got into the studio. He heard me singing and he was like, you need to come and sing for us. So he basically like really pushed me into the studio and pushed me to doing it. So the type of music I was making with them was probably very different to what I was doing now. But when I eventually found the confidence to kind of go my own way and be a solo artist, I guess that a lot of the time, yeah, not really too prepared, sitting down writing. It's just kind of how I'm feeling. Even now, if I'm recording at home, I won't, I won't write beforehand. I just stick the beat on and I just literally will just like <laughs> projectile vomit, whatever is in my brain that needs to come out. Because I was thinking earlier about whether, so I didn't write songs, but I sort of do in a kind of processy way. I find the process of writing things down very cathartic. So sometimes if mm-hmm. I'm trying to process something, I'll almost write, like kind of lyrically how I'm feeling about it, if that makes okay. sense. I find yeah. that really helps me to process things. But I was wondering, as someone who who writes songs with the intention of creating a song out of it rather than just the intention of processing, do you mm-hmm. think songs, the best songs come out of intense emotions or more reflective places? I'd say um, some, somewhere in between the two. So if I'm writing, I can't really explain that. I just, I can feel, I feel it pent up inside me. Like I've got something I need to say here. Or I know I'm sad or I'm frustrated or I'm feeling empowered or I've got something I need to say. And at the time, I don't necessarily know what it is that I might say, which is why 
I find songwriting quite exciting as well. So I'll, I'll put the beat on and I'll just see what starts coming. And it will just, I, I don't really like sit down writing. Mm-hmm. Like that's not my style. I don't like it. I don't like having to think I've got to read the lyrics and sing and it's just too, too much going on for me. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of let it come out. Um, and sometimes when I, when I'm doing that, when I'm writing a song, I'll be like, I'll shock myself. I'll be like, Oh wow. So that's how you were feeling. Or that was really, that really hurt you. Or so I learned more about myself through the process of, kind of, of of like freestyle songwriting if you like yeah and in terms of the beats where they come from you know obviously now you've kind of built up a bit of a of a network so we'll kind of get to where you are now but when you were first starting did you just find beats online or or did you always have musical friends well I come from a really kind of small town called Chester so it's the musical hub or community here it was very limited um unless you were like an indie kind of you know, rock kind of band, which right. just wasn't the sound I was making. So I used to go on SoundCloud. I met so many producers on SoundCloud. Sometimes I would like, I'd, I'd have a song idea together and I'd go into studio and I didn't know any producers. So the guy at studio used to play guitar and I was like, if I sing, can you just jam with me? And we can then, and we used to record to the guitar and he would then build in the beat around kind of what we'd created. Um, that was until producers really started reaching out to me and being like, oh, you know, I want to work with you. Yeah. That's what I do to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you've kind of tried different kinds of genres. Talk me through your, your biggest musical inspirations and how that, how those have influenced you as an artist. Um, I would really say that growing up, my parents had a really kind of eclectic taste in music and they, they used to listen to a lot of like Motown, a lot of soul um, they used to listen to uh, Lauren. I mean, I picked up Lauren Hill's album. I think I, I must have been about ten when I listened to that album, and that album like changed everything for me. I was like, this woman mm. sings and she she raps to both such a high standard, and she has something to say, and which was more than it, she had something with substance to say. That and that really inspired me, like her honesty, her rawness in her music. Yeah. So those are my influences. But again, because I came from a background where I worked with MCs, I naturally fell into that grime, the grime scene, the garage scene. So the soul, the R&B type music that I make, I'd say that is where I can really say the most of what I want to say. But I also can't erase that the reason I'm in the music scene was because I worked with grime MCs and it is still a genre that I hold very close to to me because of that. Yeah. Do you know, do you know the artist Tiana Taylor? As in, she's got a new album out. She's just got yeah, a new album out. Tiana yeah, Tiana Taylor. Yeah, so she's like, she's um, she's a singer and she can kind of rap a little bit as well. And she, one of her songs that I really love is called, called We Got Love. And it's kind of celebrating the love that she has in her life with her children and her partner. But at the end of the song or towards the end of the song, she plays this, A, I think it's a great song, but she plays this clip of Lauren Hill talking. and. It's one of the most beautiful phrases I think I've ever heard a human like come out with. And it talk, it's just yeah. Lauren talking about the importance of integrity and the importance of love and keeping those things like forefront in your life. And yeah. sometimes I think, with, I think Lauren Hill is one of those people who, yes, she was a super talented singer and rapper, but she also has this kind of beauty in the way she thinks that I, yeah. I feel comes through in her music. And I was thinking the other day about how when you... As a, as a writer or as someone who's kind of putting music out there in the world, certain artists have a consciousness about what they're saying and the impact yeah. that will have on other people. Is that something that comes to you when you're in the writing process or something you really think about? 
Because I feel like as a person, particularly you, you have quite like, you're passionate about a lot of things and mm-hmm. important things in the world. Yeah, absolutely. When I first started writing songs, not so much. Um, but the more I kind of grew into it and the more I was kind of like, I've got something I want to say here besides just being a feature on a, on a on a garage track or a grind track. You know, I've got something that I really want to say here. So yeah, I am really conscious of what I put out. And also I'm learning as well that I don't have to put out stuff that I think people want from, to, want to hear from me. I'm allowed to say, actually, I, I want to put out what I want to say. And it's okay to kind of, it takes a long while as an artist, I think, to get to that because you want the radio plays, you want the, you know, the hit, but also making them kind of songs. I, I sometimes find it's more detrimental to my soul in, in why I start in, in really, you know, take myself right back to being 10 years old and why I really kind of fell into music. So I always do think about the message that I'm putting out there. Yeah. Yeah. And you go back to that 10 year old person sometimes and think about like, what would they think of what I'm doing now? Yeah. She'd probably be like, she'd think I was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a really nice feeling. Um, So you've released quite a lot of material over the past, I guess, four years or so. Do you say that you've been releasing? What are the... What are the highlights? What are the songs that you pick out or moments that you pick out as being like, I'm really proud of that? My, I think my highlight was kind of when I really fell into my feminist journey. I think my music started to change and I think people around me could hear hear it was changing. So from, I did a project called, um, oh my God, what the hell is it called? Oh, Earth Stuff. <laughs> it was my project, but don't ask me what it's called. Yeah, so that, uh, I've got like five EPs out now. So I was like, I did Earth stuff. And then I and then I did a project called Juicy Fruit. So Juicy Fruit for me was kind of like um a moment where I was like, I need to be a bit more brave in my music now. So Juicy Fruit is about um it's about sexual liberation, um, sexual experience and things that stem from that, everything from sexual suppression to motherhood to sexual assault. Because I, I made this project and at first I wasn't going to include that sexual assault on there I thought I can't honestly speak about a spectrum of sex and leave that off because for so many women and men sexual experience is not just it's not just enjoyable it is traumatic as well and I thought I can't leave that off and I was so nervous about putting that song on the project I was kind of like oh I don't want to do I don't want to put it on because people are going to ask me questions I don't want it on there but I felt like like it's right you come back to integrity I couldn't make a project like that with excluding that experience from there as well Mm. so that was the moment for me where I was like I need to be brave with what I'm doing now yeah I wanted to ask about I'm glad you brought up Juicy Fruit because I really like the artwork but I was wondering kind of where that came from but it is obviously quite a feminist statement Mm. and like connection to your lady parts maybe who did you work with on on that and did you have Uh, a vision for it yeah I I, I knew straight away I mean even before I write I wrote any songs it just kind of came to me like Juicy Fruit I worked with uh, Safa Gurishi um, who produced all the songs on there. And I've got a couple of features on there. Nina Donovan, who wrote the most amazing speech, which was spoken out in, a, in a, the American Women's March um, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, what's her name? Ashley. There's a famous person called Ashley somebody. I can't remember her surname. Forgive me. Mm-hmm. And she she does the speech. And it's on YouTube. It's got like thousands and thousands of views. And I came across it and I, it just blew me away. And then I found out that she didn't write it. It was actually written by Nina Donovan, who at the time was about eight, like she was young, like 17. I can't remember, 17 to 19. She was she was young. So I messaged Nina directly. I found her online and I said, what you've written is amazing. You know, can we collaborate? Can I use some of what you did there? Can I include, I'm doing this project. And she was completely down for it. So I didn't use Ashley's version of the speech. I wanted Nina's voice mm-hmm. on the project. 
So Nina sent me a, a version over with her speaking on it. I also worked with Sharifa Energy, who's like a poet, a spoken word poet. And she did some spoken word at the end of that project. So yeah, it meant a lot to me. To be able to work with people that you see online and you respect and admire, I think is one of the joys about creating your own work. It's like, I've done this. So therefore you have something to go out and reach out to people and say, and by the way, I really respect you. Is that how most of your collaborations have come about? Yeah. um, I'm very much not afraid to kind of let other people know that I admire them. And because uh, I think you have to give people their roses while you can, while they're here. Mm. So if I admire an artist, you know, and it doesn't always get returned, as in that person might not always want to, you know, work with me. It might not be the right time. It might not be the right sound. And um, but I always reach out to people that I really respect and admire, and I feel like, right, well, you've got something that I really love here, and let's see what, what we could do together. Like Manga, Manga is one of my favourite MCs, and he always brings something so unique to the table. I just adore, adore the way that he words things and. His view on life. Yeah, it's nice to have people that you can can work with consistently. I imagine because you mm. you know how each other works, like you get each other, and that process becomes more and more comfortable. Have you ever had any situations where you've started working with someone you've been like, oh, I thought this was going to be good, and it's just not like? Yeah, I I definitely have, and and also where I felt like a lack of control in the situation, especially because the music industry is so male dominated. I am fortunate enough to work with men that I feel safe around and who have really respected me. But I've also experienced, like, I felt like I've been talked over a lot. I know collaboration is about give and take, but there's a line where it oversteps where it's like, you're actually restricting my creativity now. Mm. You know, it's quite, I'm finding it quite restrictive. You're not listening to me. Yeah. So that has been not a huge issue, but I have sometimes felt a little bit kind of overshadowed sometimes by that. Maybe I need to be more assertive with that as well, I suppose. I know, but sometimes it's a bit frustrating to even think that that would be, you know, I kind of, I kind of feel like you, you shouldn't need to be more assertive because it's yeah. a space where people need to, it's not a space where you can hurry through things and be like, let's all just say what we want now. It's a kind yeah. of a space where you need to listen and be open. And it would be kind of frustrating to feel like someone wasn't giving you the space to do that. Yeah. I mean, because I've had so many collaborations, so I know how a collaboration is supposed to feel. It's supposed to feel, you know, we're together. Not one of us is domineering and controlling this project, which I have found sometimes a bit off-putting. That's why I don't really like going. I mean, I record a lot of my stuff from home. I literally sit in that room next door. I've got my mic. I've got my Pro Tools. I've got my setup. I That's my, my spot. And again, I suppose that's the introvert in me. I very rarely record in studio spaces with other people because I feel like I have that freedom at home. And if I collaborate with you and I send you what I've written, you've not been able to stop me in my process and say, mm, you know, I think I can do what I need to do first rather than kind of, yeah, maybe that's why I do prefer to record at home, to be honest, away from yeah. people. Did you know, fun fact for you, I don't even know if it counts as a fact, but Missy Elliott never, ever records in front of anyone ever. She never has because she says that if wow. she does, then if anyone, she gets really affected by other people's vibes. So if she wants to try something that's a bit like, you know, because obviously some of the stuff she does, it's like a bit wacky. And she's yeah. like, if I'm doing that, and then someone says, oh, I don't know, it throws her off completely. And she's like, oh, no, you're probably right. And then she wouldn't so great. That's basically what I was trying to say. It's like, especially with some of my more, I mean, because I do speak about sex quite a bit in my songs as well. So mm. some lyrics, I mean, I've wrote a song about like women receiving head and like, you know, casual sex. And I feel like if I was to do that in a studio with a guy, 
in particular, because again, I work with a lot of men because the music industry is male dominated. I would not feel free to be able to say those things and do those things without fearing some kind of side eye or some kind of, so yeah, I get Missy. I hear you. I relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also because what sounds good in your headphone in terms of like people like listening I like listening to songs about sex and I like thinking about sex and talking about sex with my really close friends, but I wouldn't really be that comfortable talking about getting head or whatever from in front of loads of guys I didn't really know very well. It would almost feel like I was trying to make a point to them that I totally wasn't trying to make. It's not about that at all. Yeah, yeah. So I think think privacy and space, yeah, I... I very rarely go into the studio with people and I have to really kind of trust and feel safe in that space. Yeah. I read that your latest EP is a joint EP. Um, is that, am I right there? No fucks. So yeah, so that was joint, that was a joint EP with a producer from Paris. Mm. I've worked with two from Paris now. Yeah, so that was, I always, I've got like a thing which I tend to do. I tend to do a project and it's just with one producer. So Juicy Fruit was just with one producer, Safa Gawishi. My Earth Stuff project was just with one producer. No Fox was just with one producer. It's kind of like, I, I like that connection. But yeah. the project that I'm working on at the minute, I've used lots of different producers on. So the project that I'm releasing a bit later this year, I've used, I've used lots of different producers, which is a kind of a first for me, I think. That's nice, because then it feels very much like it's totally more like a spectrum of different sides of you. Mm, yeah. Have you thought about, like, how have you picked those producers? What, what's been your, is there a central theme? Yeah, so I knew, I, I very specifically clearly know what I want this project to sound like. So this, the project that I'm working on at the minute is called Process. And it is about uh, process, well, the majority of it is about processing pain, pain trauma, essentially, how, how we process trauma. So I, 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 want, I started off by doing like this little freestyle, I was just messing around. And then I felt like, do you know what? I really want to just do a project, all the vulnerable shit that we're all afraid to say, but we're all feeling it. Let's just get it down there because if I'm feeling like this, I know other people are going to relate to it and they're going to feel it. Mm. So yeah, it's called process. It does centre heavily around, around dealing with trauma and how we process it, but not in a, I'd like to think it's not in a way where it's heavy and it's sad and it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's more empowering and it's more like, I see you, you know, I, yeah. I see you and I hear you and we, we're not alone, essentially. Mm. So I, I hope when people hear it, I don't think it will be a project which will be triggering. I hope it won't be triggering to people. I mean, it might do in parts, but I hope people can find a sense of community within that project. Yeah. Well, I guess the word process implies that as well, that it's not too heavy and downbeat because it's like we all have to process these things. We have to move on. We have to find a way to live life after trauma or through trauma. Yeah. So it's kind of like a healthy evolution of that. Yeah. And I kind of feel like my whole music career has kind of built up to doing a project like this because I've gotten to the stage where it's like for me art is communication art is language and if I can't really say something with meaning why why am I even doing this in the first place you know Mm. yeah I agree who are you listening to at the moment what artists are inspiring you to be honest the sad thing is I don't even really know who I'm listening to these days because I just put Spotify on and Spotify just knows my brain and knows what I like to hear and just sends me on a, a wonderful journey of everything and everyone but I love my favorite albums last year I think were I love Bernard Boy's album Beyonce's The Gift album was just sensational um who else is oh, there's been so many there's been so many good projects recently 
Jay Huss's album was incredible. And I really, he uses, um, I've forgotten her name, but he has a, he has a, a woman that features several times on that album. Um, Ice something, I think her name is. But I'm really eager to kind of hear what she, what she does because mm. I think she, she sounds amazing. So I'm excited to see more about her, learn more about her. I'm like this weird, I think I'm, I, I don't get the J Huss thing. And I think at one point I'm just going to get it. Because sometimes when yeah. there's an artist who's really celebrated and everyone loves them, and I'm like not really feeling them. Then five mm. years later, I'll listen back to the album and be like, why did I never, why did this not hit me? <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because Jay yeah. has to say that he's like one of the artists of our time that he's ch- totally changed music. He's been yeah. able to build insane hype really based off his music, not based off anything else. It's not like he's yeah. huge on TikTok kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I find that really interesting and I don't know what it is about. I like his song with Coffee. But I think that's more because I like coffee than because I like... Oh, yes, I hear that, yeah. Oh, I'll tell you who else as well is absolutely amazing. Brie Runway. Yeah. She is exciting. She kind of reminds me, you know, like of... We know Missy Elliott came out and Missy Elliott has that very unique individual style. Brie is not afraid to be like creative and out there. And I'm really excited to see where she takes that as well. I was interested in her journey because I didn't know... I didn't know about her before... It's called Ape Shit, right? But Ain't Shit. Um, mm. I didn't know about her before that. And then I was like, whoa, this girl is like ready to go. She's a star already. I didn't know where. She's in her. Yeah. I don't know what her background is. I wanted to ask, firstly, a really simple question. Your SoundCloud, the cover picture on your SoundCloud is like really lovely. And it's lots of just like beautiful, powerful women. But I didn't know where it came from, what it was. So I just want to ask that. Oh, that is from my video for from a, from a song on Juicy Fruit called Down South. So that's the song about oral sex. <laughs> um, so I did a video for that, and I wanted to, I wanted to have people represented who have struggled to to find themselves placed. For example, Priya, who I worked with, she has struggled being um, dark skin Asian. She's been to castings, and literally they turned around and said mm, she's had. She's literally had the comment made that she's too dark. So Great. I, I really well. wanted to be like, yeah, yeah. So I really wanted to be like, okay let's get let's get people together and let's talk about sex in a way and show that we can talk about sex in a way where we don't have to objectify ourselves as well you know a lot often when we hear songs about sex it's not and there's nothing fine with like I think there's a fine line between empowerment and objectification so if that empowers you to kind of you know dress provocatively when you're talking about sex fine that's wonderful but I also feel like as women we can be quite manipulated into what is empowering and what is on objectifying us and sometimes we don't know where that line crosses over as well mm. so I wanted to really kind of bring us together and like right we're going to be really vocal about sex we're talking about head here um but at the same time we're kind of we're not going to allow you to objectify us we can still speak about this without you having to kind of strip us completely back yeah cool I wanted to ask what your ambitions are for the world right now so I know that's a really big question but I think yeah. that we are with all the positive things that I think have happened over the past two years, both with the Black Lives Matter movement and also with the Me Too movement. I hate even calling them movements because it's like, this is just humanity. Um, But I think it's a really positive time for change in the world. And I think Mm because you're kind of a person who's active about wanting to use your voice, I wanted to to ask that. The the work that needs to be done is, is immense and it's overwhelming. But the fact that this shift is taking place is amazing. And I think that whilst we're having this conversation as well, particularly on Black Lives Matter, I think that, you know, white people 
you know, myself included in this, mm. we need to be doing the work now in the same way that I expect men to step up and do the work for feminist movement. I think that we need to be listening. We need to be checking ourselves because whether we like it or not, we've got privilege and we have got within us probably still internalised racism, still internalised biases that we need to check ourselves and, and remove from. And we need to not speak over people, but we need to say, right, okay, I'm not, I'm not standing in front of you. I'm not standing behind you. I'm standing with you next to you here. You're helping amplify voices. Invest in black businesses. So use, you know, rather than just getting things off Amazon every every day of the week, find out, right, okay, where's my nearest black-owned bookstore that I can get that book from instead? So I just kind of feel like it's really important to to speak up on it because it shouldn't have to be black people's responsibility to dismantle a system that they had no participation in creating. We should be doing that work in the same way that I think men need to step up um, and do the work, do, you know, listen to listen to women. Don't be all lives matter because the worst thing, you know, and, and sometimes men don't get that. They're like, oh, not all men. It's like you sound like all lives matter right now. Yeah. Like you understand the all lives matter concept. You understand how dangerous that is and how deflective it is, but you don't understand how dangerous it is to women, especially black women, trans women. Yeah. So white people, we've got work to do. Men. <laughs> got even more. <laughs> we've got work to do. No, I, 100%, I 100% agree. The, the thing that hit me most with Black Lives Matter and I think everyone particularly as white people we had to do a lot of reflecting was to be like I've really felt frustrated at the you know you I feel a great sense of joy and admiration when I see not even admiration but just kind of gratitude when I see men being active feminists and being actively vocal about standing for for women's rights and I suddenly felt like I looked at myself and thought you haven't been actively vocal about standing for black rights and and um the issues there so yeah I think I, I completely agree I think we all need to yeah look at well those. I really learned about that because my favorite author is an author called Bell Hooks and she's a black feminist writer and she writes in one of her books um I think it's in a- Ain't I a Woman in the book and she says you know we've had this space where um the black rights movement was heavily centered around men and men's issues and the feminist movement was heavily centered around white women and white issues. So black women are kind of sat here in this void of, do I have to pick a side? Why should I have to pick a side? I can't dissect my identity. I'm both yet. And that's why I really feel like we need to, we need to prioritize in black women, black trans women, LGBT community, black saber women. We really need to be prioritizing their voices, amplifying, supporting them in however they need us to, yeah. to make sure that they are not forgotten, they're not spoken over. Yeah, so, and I'm do it continuously. It's nice when, um, I think when Pride came about, like kind of next to the Black Lives Matter protests, it almost became a protest for both. And I felt that was really positive. Mm. It was like, look at how Pride has evolved and what Pride has turned into in terms of a celebration. Again, we still have a hell of a long way to go there, but progress has been made. And like that could be the momentum behind Black Lives Matter can, can be the same. So we can celebrate Black people. Yeah. Trans- yeah. Yeah. From a more selfish point of view, what are your, well, not even selfish, but what are your ambitions for yourself? I feel like you're, you're quite continuously working on new stuff. So I don't know how that, how that yeah. works for you. Um, yeah, this is something I really always struggle to answer because I just kind of, I don't really feel like I have this end goal in sight because I feel like final destinations are so overrated. Like I love the journey and just being free to see where that takes me. I definitely think that I'm finding more of my purpose with music rather than kind of just throwing away disposable songs that don't really mean anything, which is cool and it's fun to do sometimes, but I'm finding more that, you know, I have things to say and I need to say them. So this is where I'm really at with this project now. And I'm kind of excited to see where that 
takes me further, I guess. That's a bit more of a, um, what's the word? Like not longevity, but it's kind of a long-term point of view or a long-term looking at the way you work through stuff. Because if you had one big goal or one thing, then I guess when you reached it, you'd be like, okay, well, this my life is still my life. (laughs) Yeah, and you're never satisfied. You can set yourself that when you get there. You're never satisfied. There's always, you know, more. So I just tend to kind of take that pressure and expectation off myself and just be here now and be present and just each day, just see what happens and enjoy it. How does it feel for you when you get wins or things that you're proud of? Like, how long does that high last? Like, say you hear your song played on the radio. Like, how do you get like a... "Ah!" Do you know what? It's so bizarre. I had this conversation with my best friend and now it's kind of like, because you kind of I'm not used to hearing myself on the radio but I've been played on the radio enough times to the fact that it's it's not a thing anymore and it should be sometimes I have to check myself and be like I remember the first time I heard myself on the radio I was at my mum and dad's house and I had everybody all together we was all excited you know all going ready to listen to it like my family was screaming we was filming it and now it's kind of like I'll just it's just kind of like oh you know I had a song playing on Radio 1 last night which is cool but it's just kind of and I check myself and go no you wanted that you worked hard for that and it's okay to be like to sit and reflect and think yeah actually I'm proud yeah it's nice to feel that but also it's a, it but it's a true thing of going back to your point about just wanting to kind of keep creating and focus on like just the process because mm. you get that moment and it's really cool and it's like really nice and you have to enjoy it but you you're still in a house with yourself I don't know it's not like <laughs> It's so bizarre, literally, because I I would be, I did some songwriting with Craig David. And so one weekend I was in the studio with Craig David. I came home on the Monday and I was mopping floors in the in the shop that I worked in. <laughs> and it was just like the crossover of worlds was insane. It's like I'm in London in a studio with Craig or I'm in London doing a public speech with Idris Elba. And then I'm working minimum wage, mopping the floor as, as well. So that <laughs> whole... <laughs> and people don't understand that they see that they see oh my god you're working with Idris album they don't see like you know you're getting like a council tax summons because you missed last month there's, there's two months last pays on the run they don't see that kind of struggle of the journey yeah. yeah and that is life as well it's like it's never it can't be all of everything for anyone I always think yeah. like even if you make loads of money you're still going to get your heart broken and I know that sounds so basic but I always think like yeah. there's no there's no way of however much success you achieve and this shouldn't ever I'm still super ambitious it's not like it it stops me wanting to achieve things but you know you get to like upgrade little parts of your life but most human experience is very leveling it's always it's kind of the same Mm. you know whatever you do yeah have there been obviously the past six months or so not even six months I keep exaggerating the length of time that the coronavirus situation has been going on (laughs) I think it makes me feel better about it because I'm like well it feels like you know anyone (laughs) For the past decade, um, but we've been uh, in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, literally. Half a century later, she was still in her flat. Um, <laughs> but have there been, obviously it's been a lot of reflecting time. Have there been things that you've thought or, or lessons, that you, conversations you've had with yourself through that period of time? Yeah, so I've been able to get back. I mean, I love reading, but I've kind of fell off a little bit because the, I, the job that I do outside of music, I work for a charity and it's pretty, uh, it's pretty heavy sometimes. So... I kind of fell off. And when I come home, I didn't really want to get in, read into a heavy book as well. It's kind of like I just want to chill. So yeah. lockdown, I have found that my mental health is so, feels so much better. I've begun reading again. I'm cooking lots. I have a more of a work, home life, music, family balance. Mm. Um, lockdown has been really reflective and centering for me, actually. It's been quite peaceful. 
I shouldn't really say that because a lot of people have died. That's not very nice. um, (laughs) It's honest. It's it's nice that some people have had positive experiences as well. Mm. It makes you feel grateful for having a roof over your head and having comfort and safety. I liked removing myself from the rat race of life, I think. You know, capitalism, so I've been spending a lot less money and just being, just taking a minute out of the world. It just feels nice. Mm. The instant thing I noticed is that my mood lifted because... I think I'm quite an optimistic, like positive person and a lot of people aren't. And when you go through life, it can be like on the tube or on your walk or in a shop and you can bump into someone, they can be rude to you or they can be grumpy and then that can just totally flip your mood. And so when I was away from that, I was like, oh, it's way easier to be continually upbeat when you don't have to see negative people. Yeah. Um, so you're like an energy sponge then really you can absorb that and then it can. And But when you're in lockdown on your own, you've only got to sit with yourself. So Um, yeah (laughs) yeah exactly um but then to the same point with life starting to go back to normal are you starting to make plans for performing live again and is that something that you're looking forward to um no I'm not really at the minute I'm just focusing on getting this project finished I've only got I think I've got about I want to write I'd say about another two songs I feel like I've just got a little bit more that I need to say, uh-huh. um, which I reckon I could do in, in, in probably two songs. So once those two songs are finished, I'm just really focusing on getting the tracks mixed down, focusing on some artwork, maybe some getting some creative visuals. Uh, that's the kind of side I really like doing. I like, I love, because I always co-direct all of my videos. I um, always storyboard them all. Um, I really love that creative side of things as well. Yeah. Probably more than the, and again, because I'm a bit of an introvert as well, live performance for me, I, I love it and I enjoy it, but I really like intimate settings. So my perfect kind of live gigs are gigs where I'm, I've got just a guitarist, um, candles, incense. We've just got mm. like a nice intimate setting. I love that vibe. So for me, my next stage of really focusing on is just getting this project out there and some creative visuals, artwork, you know. I think it's going to be a while before we're even allowed to really properly gig and things again. You know, I, I, I know that some places are opening back up, but... In that capacity, I still think we're a while off seeing that happen yet. Yeah, I hear you. But who knows, <laughs> really? Yeah, It'll be well, next yeah, year. Bloody Boris frigging Johnson, he could turn around tomorrow and say, oh, you know, he does what he likes, doesn't he? I don't really, literally, just makes a decision on a whim or like under pressure from, from inside. Yeah, this is not a politically neutral podcast, sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm anti-Tory, so yeah. <laughs> comfortably so. Olivia Louise, where can people find you on the internet if they're listening? And- people can find me. Um, I'm quite easy to find. So on Twitter, it's just Olivia underscore Louise UK. On Instagram, it's just Olivia Louise UK. So those are the main places that I like to hang out online. <laughs> That's where you'll find her. Twitter or Instagram, would you? Yeah, I'm on Facebook as well, but I'm not as active on Facebook. So I'd say Instagram, quite active on Instagram. So yeah, Olivia, Olivia Louise UK. I was talking to someone the other day and they said, um, they were like, oh, Twitter is more about look at this and Instagram is more about look at me. And I was like mm. questioning that because I don't really, I don't use Twitter and I never really use Twitter. And I was like, is, is that because I'm a, a vain person? <laughs> and then I was like, I don't know because I just, I find Instagram is more calm. I find Twitter gets, everyone mm. gets really hyped up and like kind of yeah. agitated. Twitter, Twitter can get a bit erratic at times. Um, I, I do love Instagram. I'm really disliking Facebook. I just feel like, I don't know why it is, but maybe it's because with Facebook, I've had it for so long. There's people that, you once knew or to some capacity that are, that are in your life on, in that sphere. With Twitter and Instagram, I specifically have chosen who I kind of want to see the content of. So I feel like maybe that's why Facebook is just, Facebook is so toxic. It really is. 
Facebook for me is like an archive. It's like an old life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a past life. Yeah. It's a past life. I was thinking the other day, I was like, is my Bebo still in existence? Am I still on MySpace? Like, I should make sure that shit is not on the internet. Oh my gosh, me too. I don't know what I was saying then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Olivia, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been so nice. And I'm excited to hear your upcoming stuff. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we will see you next week. Bye. Ciao. (laughs) What up, Lex? Surprise, good women were destined to rise yeah. Inspiring, celebrating, uplifting the new generation Some hot girls, you know the vibe yeah. All the hot girls come alive All the hot girls, you know the vibe All my hot girls come alive Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.